Scottsdale Church here on the campus of Southern Adventist University. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in Scripture to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. Good afternoon and happy Sabbath, dear ones. All right, so let's just do this from the beginning, okay? I know that you've been marveled by the things that happen on this platform, Sabbath after Sabbath, and it just puts us in awe, so we remain so silent. I'm going to invite you at different times in our message to go ahead and engage. I want to hear the amens, the hallelujahs, the praise of the Lord, the thank you, Jesus, the oohs, the ahs, and the woes coming from you as you're being awed by what God is doing up here. How about that? Fair deal? Amen. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, uh, I need to embarrass some people that I really, truly appreciate. So if you have graduated, yes, it is in the air, and no, I'm not talking about Little Debbies, even though I know you're probably thinking about those. Graduation is in the air. And I wanted to highlight those that have graduated. So if you graduated from kindergarten, eighth grade, 12th grade, undergrad, graduate, postgrad, I want to invite you to please stand. And those of you who are online, if you fall in that category, I want to ask you to stand where you are. Stop what you're doing. Go ahead and stand up. We want to acknowledge you right now. I see some people standing. Don't be shy. The majority of them are in the balcony. There we go. I see some more. Awesome. We want to say congratulations to the class of 2022. Now, mind you, oh, wait, wait, wait. Remain standing. Hold on. Remain standing. Know this. Know this. I mentioned this to the eighth graders on Thursday. You have done something that no one else alive has done. You have completed the majority of your studies through a pandemic. And the reason why you did this, I believe, is because God is good. Because of His grace and His mercy. So we wanted to salute you today. Congratulations. Now, here's part of what we're going to be doing right now. Remain standing and I'll tell you why. Everyone's going to join you here in a moment. We're going to be talking about this whole idea of being a sample. The Bible says that if we had a taste, a taste of our God in Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So we're going to be talking about being a sample. Now, here's an interesting thought, and this is what I want you to take with you. If you don't pay attention to anything else I say, I want you to leave with this idea. Be a sample of the greatest example, which is love. Now, can we agree on something real quick? Is God love? Yes. So whenever we talk about love, we're talking about who? God. So, I think my buddy Nat King Cole said it best. If you're within the ages of 1 of 92, 1 in 92, you're still a kid. You may think I'm going to only preach to the graduates or the young people. No, no, no. I'm going to preach to anyone who is between the ages of 1 and 92. And if you're between the ages of 1 and 92, please stand. Don't be embarrassed. Nobody knows what your actual age is. Now, if you just so happen to be older than 92, I have a confession. You're just a more mature kid. So I'm still talking to you as well. So, please, let us bow our heads and close our eyes for prayer now that I have everyone standing. Loving Lord, we thank you for your presence here in this place. We thank you for the accomplishments that our graduates have, well, achieved. 
under such adverse circumstances. It is evidence that you are a good God. So, Father, as we open your word, take a moment to dive in. We ask that our hearts may be ready to receive what you have to say, that your Holy Spirit may give us wisdom to apply what we're going to hear, and most importantly, that you hide me, Lord, because this is not about me. This is all about you. So speak to me, for me, and through me, I ask right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So, back to this whole idea of being a sample. And if, and if you've engaged with me before, you understand that I like to clarify terms. I want to make sure that you and I are both on the same page because I may be talking about apples and you might be thinking oranges. So to avoid that from happening, I like to go ahead and clarify a term. What does sample mean? Sample, according to Merriam-Webster, defines sample this way. It is a representative part or a single item from a larger whole or group, especially when presented for inspection or shown as evidence of quality. Let me pause here for a quick second. I'm going to stand up again because I don't know if this has happened to you, but, but it, it happens to me, and, and I'm trying to get better at this, but it, it keeps happening to me, which is I go to Costco right before lunch. Now, I don't know if you were instructed this way, but I was told you do not show up in a grocery store hungry because you may leave with more than what your list said. I'm sorry, honey. So you're walking down the aisles and some kind person is standing there and is like, would you like to try this whatever it is? Now, you find yourself a little hungry because it's, it's around lunchtime. And you're like, sure. And you go ahead and you try this sample. And then you like the sample. And then the sample goes in your shopping cart. Well, not the actual sample, but the actual product that you sampled. So here it is. It's that idea. It's a representative part of a single item, right? But it, it, it's a smaller part. You know, this is, this is another way that, that Miriam puts it. Miriam says it is a finite part of a statistical population whose properties are studied to gain information about the whole. The idea of giving us that sample is that that sample will lead us to the actual product. Without the sample, sometimes we'd rather not even buy the product. Now, here we are having this this interesting conversation about sampling, and I have a question. If at some point in time we found ourselves being um, studied, because that's what we did when we tried the sample, we studied it to see if we liked it. Well, did you know that if we're trying to be a sample of the greatest example, which is love, i.e. God, then you and I at some point in time are being studied. We're being studied by the people around us. You're being studied by those who are younger than you. And the question that I want you to keep thinking or file in the back of your mind is, what sample am I giving? Because see, you and I understand that you and I are the body of Christ. We're told this. Each one of us have received different gifts, different talents that God has given us to advance the work for his kingdom. And the question is, 
What sample am I giving of the greatest example, which is God? Tell you a quick story. This is a story of a young lady that her name is Sana Giovanni. Now, Sana Giovanni, I got a picture of her, and I'll put her up here. She went through a very, very challenging experience. You want to talk about adversity? Mercy. Check, check what she says. Here are her own words. She said, I will never forget the morning I woke up to find all of my hair on my pillow. I was heartbroken and convinced that nothing could ever feel okay again. I had no idea how I was going to find the courage to overcome this adversity. She continues, when I lost all of my hair and struggled with my identity, I stopped valuing myself. I began to self-harm and developed an eating disorder and did not care what happened to my body. You know when she had this episode of alopecia, which is it's getting a lot of popularity, honestly, now ever since, of, ever since the uh, slap that was heard around the world or seen around the world. I don't know what the whole deal is. But this young lady had this experience in seventh grade. Seventh grade. My oldest daughter just completed seventh grade. And we're going to visit her story again later. But, but here's the thing. God has given us some instruction. God in His Word has given us some principles that you and I can follow. And, and, and listen to me, young person, 1 to 92 and 93 and above because you're just a mature younger person. God has asked you and I to accomplish a mission. And that mission is to be a sample of the greatest example, which is love. Thank you for those of you who are still with me and are saying amen. So here's the scripture for today. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. 1 to 92, 93 and above, follow me here. Do not let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you... Oh, that, when I say quiet, it's your turn. All right, let's try it again. Okay. <clears throat> Be an example to all believers in the way that you... In what you say, thank you. In the way that you... In your... Your... And your... Very nice. You guys catch on very well. So don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. You and I ought to be an example to all believers, but you know what the truth is? It's also to non-believers. Because believe it or not, those people are also watching. And they're assessing, they're studying whether or not they want the piece of the whole which you and I are a small piece or a finite piece of. 
And, and I must confess, there have been times, there have been times that my sample, uh, strong words here, but this is the truth, my sample was probably a little bit rotten. There were times when I fell short and I gave a really, really wrong impression of who God really is. The psalmist told us if we taste and see, we will see that God is good. He is a good God. He is a loving God. He is a comforting God. He is a provider God. He is a sustainer God. He is a God that gave his life for you and me. He's a God that resurrected and now gives you and I hope of a new world to come. And this is good news, dear ones. Thank you. It is good news. But sometimes, just sometimes, this is not the sample that people receive. Look, there's a biblical story. It's good to hear what happens in the world, but there's actually a biblical story. And I encourage you to read it. It's in, it's in 2 Kings chapter 22. It's about this young man, King Josiah. King Josiah came to the throne at the age of eight. My youngest daughter will be 10 this summer. My oldest daughter is going to be 13. I am not ready. I confess it. It's the truth. I was asking God to come before my oldest would turn 13. No luck. It's all right. But the idea is this. This young man began his reign at the age of eight. Now, here's the thing. He had received examples. As a matter of fact, the previous king died actually pretty young. He died, I think, around 24, if I remember distinctly what the, what the scholars said. And the point was, at the age of eight, he stepped up to be the king. Now, now at this point, that particular king that, that, that was before him was not the greatest example. He was actually pretty rotten. But we're told... That, that, that Josiah decided to do something different. You see, here's the thing, guys. There are people, dear ones, who are watching us, and they're learning what to do, and at the same time, they are learning what not to do based on our sample. There are people who say, yeah, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to take that, but I don't want this, and I definitely don't want that. And Josiah did just this. Look at this in, in verse number 2 in 2 Kings 22 verse 2. He did what was what? Pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the what? Of his ancestor David. Now David was a man after God's own heart. But let me pause here for a quick moment. Was David perfect? <laughs> Far from it. And guess what? We're not perfect either. And that's not what God is asking for. He's asking for people who will love him, people who will serve him, people who will allow him to transform them into his character. We'll talk more about that in a moment. So again, he did what was pleasing in the, in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was what? Right. He tried his best to do what was right. Now, here's the thing. Before I take you to verse 19, let me go back to, to verse 2. Give you some context. 
I'm not going to read it all, so you can, you can do that at home. After he started his reign by age 12, so about four years later, he started rebuilding the temple. Uh, sorry, nope. He started taking down the altars from the high places because the, the people of Israel had decided that they were going to worship idols. They decided that they were not going to do what God had asked them to do. And he took his position to do what was right, to take a stand, to demonstrate courage and say, we're going to do what God wants us to do. And what God doesn't want us to do is to be worshiping idols. He doesn't want us to offer sacrifices to idols. So he started doing that at age 12. My oldest is 12. Imagine that. And then, about 18 years into his reign, so now he was 26 years old, 14 years later, he decided to start rebuilding the temple. Follow me. I'm going somewhere with this. 18 years into his reign, at the age of 26, that's when he started to rebuild the temple. Now, when they started that process, they found a scroll. On that scroll, it said that the people had strayed away and there was a bunch of curses that were going to happen. There were a bunch of negative things that were going to happen to God's people. And when he heard that, he tore his robes and he was like, no, 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 this can't be. I don't want this to happen to God's people. So he reached out to one of the prophets, which was Huldah at the time. Yes, yes, dear ones, there, was, there, there were women prophets even before Jesus arrived. That's a sermon for another day. We'll leave it alone. But here's the idea. The prophetess responded and told him what happened or what God said. And here it is. You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against this city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance, and I indeed heard you, says the Lord. Listen to verse 20. So I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in what? In peace. You will not see the disaster I am going to bring to this city. How did he react when he heard the news? Was he apathetic? Was he despondent? Did he re reject it? Did he say, oh, that's never going to happen to me? No. He humbled himself, tore his robes, and just asked God to please spare the nation. And God honored him. He heard him and let him die in peace without seeing these calamities and these disasters. Dear ones, we're talking about a very, very, very young lad. And God still used him to be a sample of the greatest example, which is love and God. But Jesus hadn't come yet. This was pre-Jesus. So someone instructed him correctly. He was influenced by someone after God's own heart because he followed the good example that he saw. Dear ones who are a little bit younger on the scale, I want to, to, to speak to you right now. Learn what is good. You will have examples 
Need I say, I'm going to be honest with you, some of you might appreciate that, some of you won't, it's okay. You may be getting not the greatest example at home. But there are people that God has put in your life to help give you a, an example of the greatest example, and that is God. Seek them and learn from them. And newsflash, maybe, just maybe, that example is at home. Then I will encourage you, as a father, to give your parents some slack and listen to them because they do love you and they do want what's best for you. But dear ones, this is, this is the thing. We talk about these challenges and then we sometimes don't tell you how. How do we accomplish these things? How was it that, that Josiah was able to do this? How is it that, that Santa, as we, we talk about her here in a moment, uh, how, did, how do they accomplish these things? So this is where you and I get to interact a little bit more because we're going to talk about how. Now, guess what? There are going to be other words that are going to be highlighted like this. And when you see these words, I encourage you and invite you to please say it out loud. You guys rock. Let's try that one more time. Awesome. So how do we do this? I'm going to turn to uh, a gentleman that I heard on CBS Sunday Morning. Great show. I was like, man, I learned from David Gergen. David Gergen was an advisor to four presidents, both Democratic and Republican presidents, okay? And he was talking about leadership because, yes, dear ones, if you are a sample, you are still a leader, whether you like to accept that role or not. How is it so? I'll explain it. You are guiding or leading people to the greater whole. And the whole is Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. So with that, you are leading whether or not you accept that. So he's talking about leadership, and he's saying that these are some of the essentials of leadership. He says that constructive collaboration becomes essential in a really complicated world that's moving so quickly. Let me pause here for a moment. Is the world moving quickly? Dear ones, we are in May of 2022. Sometimes I feel like I'm still living in 2020. It's just flying by. And in this world, okay, that is moving so quickly, constructive collaboration becomes essential. What he's saying when he says constructive collaboration is people working together. But I say it goes beyond us working together. It goes to us working in collaboration with God. Because our strength, our mission, our drive comes from him. At least it should. I'll share you in a little bit what Auntie Ellen has to say about it. But let's continue. Character, capability, and are essentials that are still necessary today. Character, capability, and courage. Now, mind you, let's talk about these things because we want to, again, clarify terms. Make sure you and I are on the same page. Let's talk about... You guys rock. Here we go. Merriam-Webster... Okay, defines courage this way. A mental or moral strength to venture, preserve, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. In other words, that in the face of danger, fear, and difficulty, 
we have the moral strength to venture and preserve um, and withstand, hold ourselves, in other words, in the face of challenges. Now, here's the thing, dear ones. The biggest challenge with the world right now is morality. Morality is the problem. And we're, challenging, we're challenged with trying to define what morality, morality looks like. And you know what our guide should be? It's this book right here. We need to understand that God has given us everything that you and I need to be successful in this world and in the world to come. But you and I have to have the courage to stand up for what is right and call right by its name. We have to be able to say, you know what, that's wrong. And I am not going to follow that. Especially, you know, younger ones who are listening to me, you're going to be faced with a lot of challenges and a lot of temptations. And the truth is, you and I have to have the courage to say, I am not going to do what everyone else is doing. Josiah being the king could have said, you know what, my kingdom wants to do whatever they want. Well, I'm just going to please them and I'm going to have a great time as king. But he decided to do what was right, not what was wrong. And you've heard this before. This is no secret, dear ones. The majority, most of the time, is wrong. So you and I are being challenged to say, I am going to stand on a thus saith the Lord. Because that's how we're a sample of the greatest example. Did Josiah demonstrate courage? Sure did. All right, how about this one? Thank you so very much. Capability. Let's define capability. Merriam-Webster says, it is the quality or state of being capable. I always get a kick when they use the word to describe or define the word. Anyhow, the quality or state of being capable. All right, being able to do something. But listen to this. It is a feature or faculty capable of development. File that. Because here's the last one. The facility or potential for an indicated use or deployment. The capable person, listen to me carefully, is still operating in potential. Now, I've got to confess to you, that, that was a struggle for me. My counselor kept telling me, Kershaw, you have so much potential. And I'm like, I'm tired of this potential. When am I going to live up to my potential? Like, it was tiring. Everybody's telling me, oh, you have so much potential. Yeah, okay, yeah, great. I started calling it the P word. I'm like, don't bring up the P word. But the idea is this, dear ones. As God continues to work in us, he's developing us. He's giving us the faculties to be able to carry out the mission that he put before us to then ultimately deploy us for his work. So if we're being developed, dear ones, we are capable and our capabilities are going to continue to evolve and expand because God is working in you and in me. This is good news, dear ones. So the idea is courage, yes, to stand and do what is right, do what God is asking me to do, and, and understand that you are capable because God is doing that work in us. And the more we do, the more gifts he gives. And he's going to keep giving us more gifts. Because he too wants to take us home.
character. Now let me pause here before I define character for us. What is the only thing we're going to take to heaven with us? Character. Now those of you who just graduated, you're getting these wonderful jobs, and you're going to be able to get these nice things that the world offers, that's all well and good. But understand that the only thing you're going to take to heaven with you is your character. For those of you who are aspiring to be a successful whatever, understand that the, the success is determined by your character. Because it's the only thing you're going to take to heaven with you. So with that, Merriam-Webster says that character is one of the attributes or features that make up and distinguish an individual. I'm going to pause here for a quick moment before I, I, I share the next definition because of this. Oftentimes, as Adventists, we want to be characterized by the fact that we're people of the book. This book. Right? Have you heard that before? Okay, okay, thank you, thank you. I thought I was, I thought I was making that up. All right, so. But then we also want to be characterized by people who keep the Sabbath. Right? You've heard that too, right? Okay. How about if, just maybe, we aspire to be characterized by people who love? Because newsflash, the book is God's love story to us, and it guides us, yes? But we search the scriptures as if in them we'll find what? Yeah, salvation, but they're the ones who testify of love. But then again, we want to be identified by the Sabbath, but newsflash, dear ones, it's going to sound rough, but keeping the Sabbath isn't what saves you. Our character, which reflects God's character, is what ultimately will save us. It's Jesus Christ and Him alone. So one attribute that features, or, or sorry, one of the attributes or features that make up and distinguish an individual, I would challenge you to say that the greatest attribute is love. What if they said that about us? Here's another one. The complex of metal. Okay, so got a confession. That should say mental. But someone came to me after adoration, and they said, you know what? Back in the day, metal is another word that they utilized to speak to someone's character. So they were like, your typo was actually well done. So I just... So you know, I don't know where you, how you feel about that, but I just wanted to clarify that. But it, anyways, the complex of mental and ethical traits marking and often individualizing a person, group, or nation. All right? This is character. And the idea is this, dear ones. How do we want to be identified? I am challenging you today to be identified as a sample of the greatest example, which is love. Let's not be confused about that. 
But this is the, the last one I'm going to share about character. It says, main or essential nature, especially as strongly marked, and serving to distinguish. We are a distinguished people. That is another word a people set aside. Another word is holy. Holy people. People who are different, different from the world that is turning cold when it comes to love. The closer that we get to the end, the, the less love we're going to see. And you and I are being encouraged and challenged to be the love that the world is in need of, the love that the world is missing in how we talk, in how we walk, in how we encourage and, and, and the way we, we interact with one another. We want people to turn and say, there goes someone that is love. There goes someone that is godly. My desire and my prayer is that when people remember me, they say, Curcio was a loving dude. I don't want them to say, oh yeah, he wore loud suits and colorful ties and socks. No, no, that's not what it's about. It's about reflecting what God wants me to do so I can be an instrument of salvation because that is our mission, dear ones. I don't know why you're here. I want to think that it's because you want to go to heaven. And if I ask that question, maybe the majority of you, if not all of you, will raise your hand and say, yes, I want to be among those that go to heaven. And what I'm saying is, dear ones, what saves you is having a character like Jesus. What saves you is when people look at you and they look at me and they say, there goes a loving person. Do we get it right all the time? No. Because we're humans, and we will make mistakes until the day Jesus comes. But that's not what he's asking us to be. He just wants you and I to be a sample of the greatest example, which is love. And it's going to take courage, and it's going to take capability, and it's going to take character, all things that God is working on us with. If you don't believe me, let me, let me tell you what Auntie Ellen says, and I'm wrapping up. I'm, I'm almost done. Because some of you are saying, yeah, it's good to hear from all these people and all this other stuff, but I really want to know what Auntie Ellen has to say. Well, I'll tell you what Auntie Ellen has to say. Okay, I see that some people don't know who Auntie Ellen is. Okay, so let me, let me share this real quick. You've heard this before. It's okay. Here's the idea. We have parents. Sometimes we don't listen to our parents, only sometimes. But then we have this aunt that tells us exactly what our parents told us, and we do it because our aunt told us and not our parents. So that's how I relate to Ellen White. I call her Auntie Ellen because she herself said that if we studied the word and understood it the way that we should, we wouldn't need her writings. Her words, not mine. But this is what Auntie Ellen says. In Testimonies for the Church, volume 3, page 22, and I think it's paragraph number 2. Nothing with which we have to do is really small. Nothing. Every action is of some account either on the side of right or on the side of wrong. It is only by exercising principle, let me pause here, where do we get our principle from, dear ones? The Word of God. That's where we get our principle, just to make sure you and I are on the same page, all right? It is only by exercising principle in the small transactions of ordinary life that we are tested and our character formed. I don't know if you found yourself in this situation, but I did a lot when I was growing up. I was like, Lord, I just don't want any challenges. I just want a simple day. 
Can I go through my day without issues, please? But the truth is, we're tested so that our characters get formed. The mind must be trained through daily tests to habits of fidelity, to a sense of the claims of right and duty above the inclination and pleasure. What is she saying? She's saying that we having inclinations and wanting pleasure is natural. But the desire and habits of fidelity and the sense of doing what is right should be above my inclinations and my desire for pleasure. Dear ones, this only comes from walking with the Lord and spending time with God. I tell the young people all the time, look, can't, we, we, we just can't, coming to church for an hour, two hours, we can't save you. You have to spend time with God on your own. You have to get to know him for yourself. And you have to let him mold your character into his likeness so that you can reflect him and ultimately we can go home. The Bible says if we lift him up, lift Christ up, he will draw all men, women, and children to himself. Who are we lifting up? Who are we a sample of? I hope and pray that you leave here desiring to be a sample of the greatest example, which is love, i.e. God. You might be asking yourself, what happened with Santa? I'll tell you what happened with Santa. Santa Giovanni, her story didn't end. Her story did not end with her just being miserable. At the tender grade of seventh grade, didn't exactly pinpoint her age, she decided, that's her being older now, but she decided to start an organization. This organization is called LINS, the LINS Foundation, and it's the Love Your Natural Self Foundation. Not only that, she was the one who, have you heard of the International National Day? International, sorry, Natural Day. It's the day before Valentine's Day. This seventh grader was the one who started this movement. And this day is now celebrated in over 28 countries and has received over 3,000 mentions. She goes around the world now. She already graduated, I think it was in 2018, with her uh, degree in sociology, I believe, in communications, and she goes around helping people love themselves. You want to talk about somebody who demonstrated courage, capability, and character? She could have been miserable. She could have said, my, why, woe is me. Why is my life what it is? I give up. She could have taken her own life, but she decided to say, I'm going to take my adversity and turn it into a blessing to others. Her words, I learned, this is what she says, I learned to use my adversity as an opportunity for growth. This is never easy in the moment, but alopecia has taught me so much. I think it's easy to think about dramatic changes as things that are completely negative. 
But it's hard to realize that sometimes, sometimes, and listen to this, sometimes losing the things about your life that make you comfortable can help you find yourself in ways that you never imagined. If we lost the things that made us comfortable, we will learn things about ourselves that we never imagined. So this is what she says. This is her charge, and I want to share this with you. Hang in there. She says, hang in there. Change is difficult, and adversity can often seem unbearable. However, look inside yourself. I promise all of the strength and courage you need is within you, and the way that you access it is right here. God has given you and I all of the principles, all of the tools that you and I need to have courage, He says, have courage. Do not be dismayed. I am with you every single day of your life. He gave us capability. He's the one that's doing his will in you and I if we let him. And he's turning your character and my character into his likeness as we are samples of the greatest example, which is love. So I'll remind you one more time of our scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. So, dear ones, I challenge you today, and I'm done. Be a sample of the greatest example, which is love. Let us pray. Loving Lord, what a challenge. What a challenge to demonstrate your greatness, to demonstrate our commitment to you by not just loving ourselves, but loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. And the truth is, Lord, some of us struggle with loving ourselves. We do. But we thank you because you're continually working in our hearts. And the more we seek you, the more you reveal that we are created in your image and that you are good. Help each person under the sound of my voice to have a taste of you so they can see that you are good. Help them be convinced and convicted from this moment on that as they leave this place but never your sight, that they may say, I want to be a sample of the greatest example and I'm going to love, love and love some more. You know why? Because I'm convinced that you are love and you love each and every one of us and ultimately love will conquer all. We love you, Jesus, in your name.